can I have you read the notes? Okay, so how does your story begin, Lizzie? Okay, well, whenever I listen to someone, I always like to hear a bit of their background. So, um, to give you mine, my parents met and married in India. So I was born in India, but I was only there till I was four. We came back to the UK, and um, I grew up in Kent, two different places in Kent. Um, I then <clears throat> went off, studied in Manchester, then did my, I did teacher training in Leicester, worked there for a while, then went overseas, worked in Nepal for a couple of years in the middle of nowhere, um, came back and within a few weeks met Simon, who is now my husband, um, who's already been working in Burundi um, for several years. Um, so we were married and um, after a year living in the UK together, we then went to Burundi, and we've been there pretty much ever since, with babies being born here. So we've been blessed with three lovely children, um, who are 10, 11, and 13 now. Um, yeah, so a bit of toing and froing between England and UK and America, but basically in Burundi for the last, well, since 2004. Mm. So what would you say makes your journey through life particularly special or interesting or helpful? Well, I, mean, <clears throat> I do think everyone has an interesting story. I'm sure each one of you could come up here and, and, and tell your life journey. So um, for me, I think the thing that has changed my life the most is... Um, well, I grew up in a Christian family, but it was when I was 11 that I realised that uh, that being a Christian is not just a bunch of rules and you do this and you're a nice person and you know you know all the answers because you've read a bit of the Bible and that's that and you tick the box on a Sunday. Um, I think that's what I thought it was really. Um, and then at 11. Uh, just realised it's so much more than that um, and how <clears throat> it's about a relationship it's about a relationship with Jesus and um, you know that that begins you know when just I guess I just realised you know that he you know God sent Jesus to he he took the punishment the blame that we all you know for all our, we all mess up don't we we make such a hash of things I don't know I'm assuming everyone's in the same boat there we made such a mess and, and he he died on the cross he took the blame for all the selfish things that we've done and so that we can have free access to the Father the loving, our loving Father, Creator God and um, <clears throat> I think when I realised that, that was just the beginning of, of the journey of just following him and, um, and, and that gives so much freedom and hope and um, purpose um, so that's that was the beginning um, and there have been ups and downs but um, yeah Thank you Lizzie um, How many of us know where Burundi is? Africa <laughs> Narrowing it down a bit <laughs> How many of us have been to Burundi? Oh, I'm just going to find yes. out Has anybody been? Ah Right, Lizzie. What okay. can you tell us about so, Burundi? Yeah, Burundi is a very small country. It's about the size of Wales. 
It is Central Africa. Um, it is south of Rwanda. It used to be one country with Rwanda. Um, <clears throat> and sadly, we've all heard of Rwanda because of the genocide. Burundi's had similar troubles. Um, it just didn't get as much media coverage. Um, but uh, the same sort of tribal tensions. There are three tribes there, Hutus, Tutsis, and the Twa, tiny percentage. Um, Burundi is the third poorest country. I checked if that's still the case tonight, and it is, sadly. 56% um, uh, of children are malnourished. We have a, a four-year-old Canadian friend, you know, four-year-olds, what about that high? And we have a photo of her next to a little Burundian girl who's about this high, and she's also four. You know, and that, that's the... That's just the devastation, you know, of, of, of that poor country, the, the troubles it's had. It's, it's the people that suffer, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> so, oh yeah, I mentioned the Twa, which are the, you might know them as pygmies. Um, so they had an average life expectancy of 27. Oh. I mean, isn't that shocking? We, you know, in the West, we sort of almost, you know, we hate to get old, but um, you say that to someone who thinks they're only going to live till 27, I mean, wouldn't that, what a gift to get old, you know? <laughs> um, anyway, since I'll be talking about the charity in a bit, uh, well, Great Lakes Outreach is the name, it's the Great Lakes of Africa rather than America. Um, since they've been working with the Batwa community, asking them, okay, what do you need? And taking the lead from them. Uh, the, I think the life expectancy now is in the 40s, 47, so it's gone right up because they've got clean water, they've got better um, houses, they've got, edu you know, they're educated about the land, so they know how to, you know, grow the crops better, all those sort of practical things that just make a huge difference. Um, yeah, so Great Lakes Outreach, um, it supports a number of, it's it's about 15 different locally run projects now. So uh, because my husband's lived in Burundi for so long, he speaks the language fluently, um, he's been able to identify leaders who, um, who are really doing this stuff. They are, you know, so they're involved in um, aid prevention and clinics and hospitals and education. Um, there's a cow transformation project. There's all sorts of like different things, and um, yeah, it's just very exciting to see how it's making a difference and having an impact on people. And you know, lives are being. We just he just sent through an email today talking about a friend of ours called Bosco, who works with widows and um, helping to helping them to build houses, helping them to start businesses, um, and and it really does make a difference. Um, one of the things in September was um, uh, just asking people to give some money so that so that they can send their kids to school because there's free primary school um, places for the children, but if they don't have a notebook or a uniform or a pen, then they can't go. So for thirty pounds, uh, you know, family, they're able to send their children, and what a difference that makes. So that's some of the work. And I have read from Simon's blog that uh, a few years ago now they opened an amazing conference centre in International Hotel, which was yeah. all 
you know, sort of started and built and yeah, furnished so, by the locals. Yeah, the vision, the vision behind that was was to um, develop this corporate centre so that the money could then go into more work that was going on in Burundi to help, you know, to help the work there to try and make it more sustainable and not so dependent on money from the West. Mm. Yeah. Does it offers opportunities for the locals to train? Yes, in yeah. uh, the hospitality yes, sector. Yeah, because yeah, customer service in Burundi is a bit sort of non-existent. <laughs> but you go into that hotel and there's smiles and they come and help you and it, it really is quite noticeable. Just, yeah, it's really lovely. Yeah. Amazing people. Yeah. I think these self-generating projects that end up equipping their locals, there's just so much that benefit all around that comes out of it. Yeah. Hmm. So how would a typical day as a mum of three children have panned out in Burundi? Say, what time did you get up? And cause... You're going off script. <laughs> <laughs> You've got so much to tell us. Well, I have to say, my life as a mum there is actually quite um, very normal. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it really was. Um, I mean, wait. Like, I mean, there's normal and normal, isn't there? And we did, you know, we did have adventures, you know, the, the bridge between us and the school sort of half fell down. So we all just kind of drove around and hoped it didn't, the other half didn't collapse while we were on the bridge. And there were things like that. But um, generally, um, yeah, I was very much um, sort of at home with the kids and, um, yeah. So that's not going to be an interesting story. <laughs> okay. Uh, so on reflection, because you were out there for what, 12 years, mm -hmm. 14 years, which lessons of life do you think you really learnt while you were out there? Mm. Um, <clears throat> so one of them, well, being from England, I think we, we, we grow up with this sort of slightly entitlement attitude, don't we? I don't know. You know, we expect clean water to come out of the tap. We expect to go to school. We expect things to work. We expect, you know, and I know it doesn't always work as we expect, but generally we have those, you know, we our rights. We have rights. Um, <clears throat> and I think living in Burundi, I think, has taught both Simon and I just how much everything's a gift. Um, you know, the thing that always used to just hit me there was seeing children, you know, tiny children walking all the way down, because it's quite a hilly country, they're like Bath really, coming down, <laughs> coming down the hill to the, to the river at the bottom to collect water, to then lug it all the way back up, you know, back to their little clay home. <coughs> dark, you know, when you go in there, it's just, there's no light, it's dark, it's damp, and the water they probably just pulled up the hill probably isn't even clean. The kid isn't at school because they're having to help their family get the water, and they probably do that, you know, at least twice a day, if not more. And um, I think when you see that, you just, you know, it just hits you, doesn't it? That it's like, we are so blessed that everything is a gift. You know, um, when I come back to England, every time, I mean, it wears off sadly, but every time I first get back, you know, you turn a tap on and, 
and you've got clean water, you know, it just, that's a gift, isn't it? Um, the fact that our children are not spending their days, hours walking to get water for us, they're going to school, they're learning, they're playing, they're, you know, they're being children. It's a gift. Um, healthcare, you know, we can, we can just pick up the phone and make an appointment, see a doctor, or, or if you have an accident on the road, you know that somebody will come and help you. Um, somebody trained, you know. <laughs> healthcare. Um, yeah, healthcare is a gift. And, you know, we all know the National Health Service isn't perfect, but, oh goodness, it, it, it's, it's amazing, isn't it, that we have that. So I think, um, yeah, gratitude. And I think, you know, Simon always says, you know, people who are grateful people are happy people. And I think it's true. If we, um, you know, if we live with that sense of this is a gift, that it makes us even more thankful. And, um, you know, and I think we can so easily get sucked into all the sort of marketing stuff and, oh, I need this or I need that. And, and then almost like, I just stop and no, I don't need that. You know, we're sort of drowning in our own stuff, aren't we? Um, and, and yet, if we've got that, I'm so thankful, I've got clean clothes I can put on today. Um, then we don't have to be always searching for the next, you know, cheap thrill, buying whatever, getting, you know, we've got what we need and and um, we've got so much more than we need. <laughs> anyway, so gratitude would be one. Sorry, was that too long? <laughs> well, um, I know there's a very exciting part of the story coming up. Um, this is a QI moment for you learned people. Um, there is a sculpture, a sculpture called the Three Graces, and somebody might even be able to tell us who sculpted it, who created the Three Graces, and where it is now. No, it wasn't Michelangelo. Canova. That's right. And it was originally made for uh, Empress Josephine. I know. However, it's a statue of Three Graces, ladies. With not a lot on. Uh, uh, Lizzie has an amazing story of three graces. Um, so basically, there was a uh, during the Civil War in the nineties. Uh, there was a hospital. Somebody was going to the toilet, and they saw just before they went, they saw something moving in the toilet. Anyway, they put put their hand out and there was a baby down the toilet, trapped, and um, she only survived because her neck got stuck in the U-bend. I mean, you can't imagine what the mother, you know, where she must have been at to, to, for that to have happened, the distress, you know, there's no judgment there. We, she, the mother was never found, but the baby was pulled out and washed off and um, just tiny, fed, you know, like a little bird, just with a pet tube, whatever, and miraculously survived. Um, she had, they had to pump her with antibiotics because obviously she'd been dirty down there. Um, that affected her hearing, but it was a, a miracle later on where she got her hearing back. Um, anyway, so they, yeah, they washed her off and she, um, she's grown up. She is now a beautiful young lady. 
Um, and, and I suppose that the picture is just of how God reaches down and whatever mess we've made, he reaches down into our lives, he pulls us out, he washes us off, he takes the dirt on himself and he says, now come on, live, you are my precious, precious daughter. And, and yeah, that's his call to us. He loves us so much, he'll do anything for us. Um, yeah, and um, her name, as that, as she will guess, is Grace. And uh, yeah, she. Um, so that's the first Grace. This, <laughs> I would say the second Grace that my husband always said because he knew he knew her from you know from when she was a baby and that whole story. Um, and he always said that you know if we were ever blessed with a daughter, we can call her Grace. So the second Grace is our daughter Grace. who's now eleven. And I suppose the third grace is just that, the grace of God, that what that story tells us of God's love, how much he loves each one and has a purpose for us. Um, and uh, yeah, she's now, oh, I've got a picture, here we go. Uh, so that's her as a baby, excuse my husband in his shorts, it's very hot and breezy. <laughs> that's Grace as a baby, I'm going to have a look at that uh, later, and that's her now. And um, the wonderful thing was she then, when she was about 17 or 18, she became our babysitter. So she, Grace was babysitting Grace, which was lovely. Um, she then went on to get a scholarship to go to study in America. So she studied journalism, came top of her class, and has now come back to Burundi to work for Great Lakes Outreach and tell more stories of what's going on there, just to yeah, raise awareness. Thank you, Lucy. Okay, the other, uh, so lessons from Brindy, the other one that I was just going to say, apart from gratitude, was trust. Because um, I just felt strongly, I know the opposite of trust is fear, isn't it, I guess? And uh, I think. I think so often we're just trapped by fear and we don't do things. Fear of what people will think, fear of what if we can't do it, fear if we fail, fear of what if this happens or that goes wrong. And um, I think living in Burundi, you know, has just taught me we can't live by fear. Fear will just crush us and keep us down. And um, being able to just put our trust in God, in a God who loves us, in a God who has a great plan for each of our lives, a God who shows us that grace, being able to trust him and know that he's with us every step of the way. I think that's that's how I got through Burundi, because especially when the children were tiny, you know, I can remember sitting at Heathrow Airport with this 10-week-old baby, going to a country with malaria, poor health care, you know, all the other things, and just, oh, you know, that feeling of, of fear. Um, but, but also then God's love coming in and just saying, it's, you know, it's okay, I'm with you, I am with you every step of the way. It was just very powerful. Um, and there have been a number of experiences, well, all the way through, he's just been very faithful, but those key moments when, when we're feeling that fear, just to look, lift our eyes to him and just know that he's with us and he's cheering us on and and uh, yeah I could go on with lots of stories about that but but
but um, trusting and uh, faith, not fear. Thank you, Lizzie. Gosh, food for thought. Uh, so we're just going to have 10 minutes now with any questions that you'd like to ask Lizzie. So uh, if you could just indicate in a moment if you've got something you'd like to ask and I'll try and get a mic to you. just want to know what, whether you have a church there how the you know where you get your sustenance from right. yeah we were part of a it was called Bajumbura International Christian Church um, it was um, it, it was mostly Burundians some Congolese a few expats um, lovely local leaders Burundian leaders um, and it was translated into English, which was partly why I went, because my, my language skills were sadly rather poor. <laughs> Unlike the rest of the family, which is great that they're good. But, so it was, yeah, that was, that was our local church. Um, my question was, um, when you first met Simon, did you realise that you'd be signing yourself up for missionary work? Was that a kind of part of the package or did you just kind of accept or perhaps that was always in your heart from being born abroad and live, living yeah. abroad and things? Yeah, how did it all come right. about? Yeah, um, great question. <laughs> um, I would say... I feel like God prepares us for what he calls us to and um, I know when when I was about 13 I can remember just I can just remember sobbing at, you know when I realized how many poor people there were and how little they had and how difficult their lives were and, and that that was probably when it, I can remember it first sort of hitting me um, and then um, and, and so from then on I sort of thought I'd like to work in a developing country. Didn't have one specific country. Um, as I got older, I then sort of pushed it aside that, oh, it's just because your parents were overseas, you think that you're going to do it well. And so I sort of kept pushing it, and it never really went away. It was, yeah. So, so that desire to work in a developing country stayed with me, and I did various short term trips. And then, as I said, I, I worked in Nepal for a couple of years. But interestingly, in Nepal, I had quite a um, disillusioning experience actually <laughs> I found it yeah it, I was in quite an isolated place and it was it was very hard and I can remember getting when I first arrived there getting off the plane thinking I was going to have this rush of like yeah I'm in the right place and I'm just going to become Nepali and I'm going to you know do this and that and you know and it was it was quite the opposite you know and I struggled with the language and I was lonely and um I hit 30 while I was out there and sort of thought, oh, I thought I was going to get married and maybe it's not going to happen and do I really want to live in the middle of nowhere with, you know, and I had all these sort of doubts and so it wasn't actually a very positive experience. So I came back to England uh, 
quite sort of disillusioned, like, okay, I'm just going to be normal. Maybe I got it wrong. Maybe God doesn't want me working in a developing country. And la 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 la. <laughs> and then Simon shows up. <laughs> and so at first I was a little bit resistant to him because he and Burundi, I mean, it's in his blood, you know. So if any of you have heard him speak, you know, you will know that. Um, so, yeah, so I didn't actually finish it with him. <laughs> I'm sure you would be sharing that. <laughs> anyway, uh, and I think part of it was just that, like, no, you know, yeah. But, um, frankly, God kind of said to me, uh, you didn't give him a chance, you know. So, so we did get back together, and hooray. And, um, yeah, uh, so I, I did know that marrying him would mean living in Burundi and, and I think I was up for it and he we didn't when I, I first went out to visit him in Burundi I, I remember he said you know he needed to see me in Burundi to be sure that I was gonna be okay and he said he saw me even just talking to people in the airport and he was like oh she's gonna be fine so <laughs> there we go sorry I'm going too long right time for one more question it's not going to reach that far. No, no, no. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Lizzie. You talked about uh, your fear with going with your new baby and concerns about health issues and things, travelling that way. What's been the challenge or the, uh, yes, perhaps the fear of, of making the journey the other way, coming back to UK? Uh-huh. Okay, um, <clears throat> another question. Um, I think for me probably as a mother of three and I'm sure lots of you have faced this sort of thing um, the things I was fearful of and I'm still a little bit on my guard about are um, just the whole you know there's wonderful things about our culture but there's also the materialism the the gadgets, devices you know um, because in Burundi it was we were sort of protected almost, you know, things were just a little bit simpler. The internet, you know, if we had electricity, that was a bonus. And so if the internet worked, that was like a double bonus. And actually it was really slow. So we didn't, there wasn't that sort of danger of, oh, what are the children going to see? Um, there wasn't that whole texting, sexting, whatever you call it, going on. St- you know, all those sort of social media things that that we are, you know, coming against, I shouldn't say coming against, not all bad, but, you know, there are challenges there. And so there is a part of me that's very just aware of that and just praying, praying our children through that, you know, by the grace of God, that they will make wise choices, that we will have God's wisdom to know how to how to help them handle these different different things and as they you know approach teenage years um peer pressure all the rest of it there's a lot of challenges so um yeah i there is definite potential to fear and and seeing other people's children who are that bit older and the things they're going through yeah i can even today i was like (gasps) you know so that fear thing it's I think it can hit us all in whatever situation, and, and it, again, it's just like lifting our eyes and just trusting God, isn't it? Um, 
been a very interesting insight hasn't it into somebody's life so Lizzie thank you so much for coming I know I had to do quite a lot of persuading (laughs) but I always say behind uh, behind a very successful man there's usually an awesome woman (laughs) you know what I mean (laughs) I can say that in all female company (laughs) so uh, I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have and as much as the team has putting this evening on for you. And I'm sure you'd like to show your appreciation to Lizzie and what she's shared with us. And you're very welcome to stay around your tables and to talk for a little bit longer. Um, But Meg's just got something that she'd like to share with you. Meg is uh, the wife of our lovely couple that we have here now, leading us in our Christian worship at this place. Hello, everyone. Um, Firstly, just to reiterate, thank you so much, Lizzie, for that. That's really, really lovely. And for the team for putting this on. It's been very special. And thank you, um, particularly to our guests who've come this evening, who might not have been here before, might have some questions um, or want to explore things a little bit further but um, just to say that um, as a church you know we 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 love where we are in this community and we run um, something called access which um, is a uh, sort of every other week it's just an opportunity to um, find out a little bit more about the types of things that Lizzie has touched on in her story so um, it's looking at Christian faith. It's looking at, you know, big words like grace and trust um, and wisdom and, and those kind of things. But particularly to explore what it means to have a loving Father God who who loves His children so much that He would um, send His Son to die on a cross for us. So it's just it's just a lovely, really, really low key, um, informal. Uh, evening on a Wednesday and you can just rock up and eat cake and just ask any kind of questions that you want to or have ever wanted to ask and you are most welcome um, whatever your story is so um, that is our little invitation thank you Meg so um yeah, obviously we've got to clear up tonight, but no, nobody's being shooed away right now. If if you've got questions, uh, do chat amongst yourselves, ask those questions and see what the people around you say. It'd be very interesting. Um, thank you so much for coming. This is the first time we've done this. Um, you may like, this, if you don't know the story, you could ask jo- um, Jackie, who's at the head of the table there, the story of the tablecloths. Um, who would have thought God would have been interested in tablecloths? But there's an amazing story there if you want to hear it. Uh, I was quite impressed that he was interested in tablecloths, actually. Um, yes, that's enough from me, I think. So please enjoy the rest of your evening. Um, and I think once more we could really say a big thank you to Lizzie. Thank you.